guys. Hi, I'm here with Muhammad Ibrahim. He's an Egyptologist and like uh, he has this uh, company called, is it Guides of Egypt or Tours of Egypt? Look, my own logo is Guide of Egypt, but my company is Beauty Egypt Tours. Okay. And that's who I went with to Egypt a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And he's amazing. This, if you ever go to Egypt, this is the person you have to go with. He's Egyptian. He actually knows hieroglyphs, but he also is really into the megalithic culture. And he's just completely awesome. So with that being said, okay, so how, okay, so Muhammad, how, how, do, how does your stance differ from like a traditional Egyptologist? Ah, that is a long story. Look, I was graduated. I studied at the university for four years. I studied a typical uh, academic style, which I, I must say, I don't uh, disagree much with uh, the, uh, the academic stories. I only disagree when it comes about uh, the technology and when it comes about dating some certain uh, buildings or structures in ancient Egypt. But if we talk about the history of the uh, ancient Egyptians, it happened. Like, uh, if someone will ask me, did we have a king called Khufu? Yes, definitely. We had a king called Khufu. We have a king called Senefru, Tutankhamun, Ramses II, and all of these kings and queens. So that history happened. But the, uh, the problem will come when we talk about their achievements. Did they truly built these sites. Uh, and if we see a site is completely different from the other style, from the other, the style of the other site, uh, and we still claim that the same person, the same crew, the same engineer built both of them, that is the question which made me, uh, when I was in the uh, pre-last year at the university, started to think about the possibility that what we study is not completely perfect. And guess what? My first question was about the pent permit in Dahshur. Mm. I was there with my colleagues and we listened to the professor talking about the mistake that the engineers made a, a huge mistake uh, planning and designing this pyramid. And they have to uh, bend the angle uh, after uh, 90, 92 meters or 105. I'm, I'm not sure because i'm quite tired today <laughs> and uh, they bent bent the the angle uh, instead of uh, 54 degrees it became 43 degrees uh, and they as if like they finished the pyramid just to avoid like heavy work or to avoid dismantling the pyramid and after they finished that pyramid they moved all their objects and machines and uh, workers to build another pyramid just three or four kilometers to the north and that is what we call it the red pyramid which they call it the first true pyramid i don't know what does it mean true because uh, each pyramid has its own design its own style okay so we cannot claim that we have one system or one style for pyramids so that moment was the exact moment when i said to myself what? Wait a minute. If you consider this as a mistake, so everything is happening after uh, this mistake is considered uh, um, a non-logic, uh, against logic and against sense, because 
if you try to do something and you find that it, it's not going to be useful or functioning, you will not finish it. You will not continue uh, adding to the work and, uh, and finish every step. And because we are not talking about a small structure, we are talking about a huge pyramid, will require hundreds of thousands of uh, blocks weighing tons and tons and hundreds and millions of tons. Uh, it will require labors and food and shelters and doctors, okay, uh, and this beverages, supplies. So what do you mean by they finished the mistake? So from, from that point, I started to question everything. Well, and also, I always thought I, when we went to the bent pyramid, that was the first pyramid you took us to. Um, mm -hmm. Even if you're at the exact angle and you're looking up, it looks perfect. Like it, it's very, yes. I mean, it's, it's, um, and I, I, what I also really liked about the bent pyramid that I hadn't heard before was the whole mica schist and how like they're found everywhere. And then that you, you said that it's possible that, or there used to be way more of the mica schist just laying all over the field. Mm -hmm. They used to be encased in it. Yes. That was, uh, look, for, for many years, I uh, found thousands of small pieces until I met uh, uh, a geophysicist, Nassim Haramin. And this is the, uh, the beauty of my job. So my beginning in this field was because of the Pint Pyramid and started to question all the stories. And my second chance, when I started to meet famous people, not famous because they are like celebrities, not famous because of their uh, education, because of their uh, experiences. Okay, like Robert Schock, like Christopher Dunn, like Nassim, like Robert Grant, like, and so many of these people. Each one is specialized in his own field, but they all come to me. We do tours together. So I learned it about the engineering of the Egyptian uh, structures and pyramids from Chris learning about the geology from uh, Dr. Shosh, learning about uh, the physical abilities from Nassim, learning about the angles and mathematics from Robert Grant. So I managed to collect huge data, learning about microwaves from Russian scientists who came in one of my tools in 2017. And we will come to this in our talk that uh, some of our structures produce um, microwaves, okay? So that is what happened. And, and that is what made me uh, change from typical academic who believes in uh, all the stories in, in the books, who believes that everything is symbolic, everything was designed for the afterlife, everything was designed for the purpose of uh, the tomb and the uh, funeral of the king. I change it from that concept, okay? And I'm looking now to everything according to what we can read from the site, not from the book, mm -hmm. okay? Because the site will not lie, will never lie. The, uh, the angles, the corners, the, the stones, uh, the blocks will not lie to you. But who will lie to you is the, um, the explanation. And that's why, Many of my colleagues and uh, many of my friends in uh, Egyptology, when they tell me a story, my first question is going to be, who said that? Is it your understanding or the ancient Egyptian left a text for us saying this? So what I found that all of what we hear, or let's say most of what we hear 
is our understanding based on our beliefs, based on our knowledge, based on our guessing. But there is no clear text saying that. So what is the clear text is the site itself. Go to the site, look to the site, start to collect information, and then you will come with a, a very good story. Maybe not complete, maybe the story will not cover all the angles, all the sites, but at least you will have a story uh, without any gaps or without any mistakes. So that is my style in, in this field. So what do you, in your, in your current understanding now, based on all this, what do you think is the oldest structure? Do you think it's a Sphinx? Um, that is a hard question. I, I cannot answer this question because there are so many uh, structures can be related to the same ancient uh, civilization. Okay, so I can answer your question, but in a different way. I can say that what we call it ancient Egypt is not just one phase of ancient Egypt. There was earlier ancient Egypt, maybe one, two, three, ten earlier ancient Egypt, and each one ends with a disaster or was kind of a, a global uh, or maybe universal phenomenon like the solar flare, like the cataclysm like something else. And then another ancient Egypt will rise and end and another ancient Egypt. So what we know, or what is called ancient Egypt, that is the last uh, level of ancient Egypt or the last uh, phase of ancient Egypt. So I can tell you that many of the sites, including the pyramid, including the Sphinx, but I, I can put the pyramid in a higher position more than the Sphinx, okay? So the pyramid, Karnak temple, but when I say Karnak temple, I mean the granite structure. Because if you remember in, in our tour, I started to explain that that temple is not the, the, uh, the actual yeah. temple. Yeah. Yes, there was a temple completely built from granite and there are some left, some uh, corners and some pillars left from that granite structure. And later the dynasties, they started to add the new sections from limestone and sandstone to match the uh, old building. Another building in Tanis, Northeast Egypt. And so many of these structures which require uh, uh, advanced technology. So my guessing that they are uh, very old and if I will be uh, very prospe uh, prospective, very uh, conservative, I will say before 10,500 BC. That is the conservative way. But if I will be myself, I will tell you 600,000 BC. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to Let get more and more on the line of like, yeah, we are, we are definitely older than we think and we're having... Let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, someone will, will say, come on, Muhammad, how come you say this? date. Look, we found skeletons uh, date back to uh, 13 BC, 13,000 BC, 25,000 BC, 35,000 BC, 50, 55,000 BC. Okay, and we have those skeletons in Egypt now. Okay, we have, and I can give you some names. It's an Arabic name, but um, still can be uh, found on uh, um, Google, 
we have uh, the child of Tramsa village, that is uh, 35,000 BC. Uh, sorry, that is the 55,000. We have Nazlit Khater skeleton or man, that is 25,000 BC. Okay, and we have uh, another evidence is the uh, the geological uh, erosions and the evidences of uh, different atmosphere uh, or some kind of disasters occurred in 10,500 BC. So we found uh, uh, erosions on the Sphinx and on the pyramid uh, happened or must happen at 9,700 BC or close to this time. So it means that the Sphinx and the pyramid were already built before this date. But how come they are affected, get affected with the uh, running water and the erosions at 9,700 BC? Okay, but my own story, if I can add to this story, and that is will be released very soon in my first book, that the Great what? Pyramid. What's it called? What's your first yes. book called? Um, what are you gonna call it? Uh, it's a secret somehow because the, the, the name I'm, uh, the name is close to another famous book. So I'm trying to get the permission from the, uh, the author. Okay, but it will, it will, be something like the, uh, the uh, Egypt before the uh, the uh, written history, something like this. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, well, I'm excited. I really want to read that. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm writing this book for two years now. Okay. It took me so long. Why? Because every chapter I write, it took me like a month or two reading my chapter, and enjoyed <laughs> reading this chapter. <laughs> so every time, as if it's a book for someone else. Okay. Well, hey, that's good. That you know it's good if it entertains you. Yeah. So I found that the uh, deeper layers uh, or inner layers of the Great Pyramid are affected with the same thing. So it doesn't make sense. It must be the external layers. Okay. So if the inner layers are affected, it means that the pyramid was already destroyed during that cataclysm. So it seemed that an earlier disaster affected the pyramid and stopped the pyramid or destroyed the casing stone of the, the, the pyramid lost the casing stone because of an earlier disaster, not because of that flood. So it didn't happen. We're not talking uh, uh, about 9,700 BC anymore. No, we are talking about before 9,700 BC when the pyramid lost the casing stone. And when 9,700 BC happened and the cataclysm happened, it affected the second or the third layer of the blocks of the Great Pyramid. Okay, so, so, so many evidence. And this is what I'm uh, saying, like we need to go to the site, to watch the site carefully, to look up and in the middle and also look down. I believe I show you and the group so many things on the ground, on the uh, the uh, feet uh, level, and most of the people don't see it because they always look up. They want to see the, the top of the pyramid or the uh, the higher levels. But there are so much secrets uh, under their feet. Yeah, and I mean, like I just I never even really knew about that basalt uh, foundation that's right next to the Great Pyramid. Mm -hmm. um, that that was like from something else. But um, yeah, just. Uh... <laughs> I actually just watched this program about how there was like a, some satellite imaging that they took of the Great Pyramid 
and mm -hmm. there it looks like there might even be another chamber that we didn't even know about above the king chamber have you heard anything about that uh, yes uh, and um, look let's talk from the uh, the latest to the beginning the latest is uh, a scientific research happened by a japanese uh, research center and they were using a kind of waves called the uh, or rays called uh, moyan or moyan i don't know how uh, to pronounce that word exactly yeah. what those or this kind of uh, rays or let's say photons is the only chance to create an inner picture to the current because anytime you start using x-rays it doesn't work x-rays when it goes uh, forward hit hit uh, a solid body and comes back to create the picture mm -hmm. the pyramid absorb all the rays okay so when you use another type like uh, ultrasound also doesn't work uh, so so many techniques they used on the pyramid but or all are failed uh, uh, operations or techniques so the only thing if that kind of rays comes from the space actually it is not produced by uh, uh, any machine it, it is not man-made it is natural uh neums, i think that is the word okay so what they did they prepared certain plates to receive the these muons okay and because when when the muons i hope i say it right uh when it goes through the the design if it goes through stones or the blocks it creates like um uh, how do you call it fade picture but if it crosses through uh, uh space it creates clear picture or or like busy dots many dots mm -hmm. okay uh, so you got my point yeah like let's say there are one millions uh, uh muons okay will go through all the way will be stones we will get one hundred thousand only but if the, the same number will go across uh, a big room or uh, um, a tunnel or something, we will get like 800,000, okay? So eventually we will have a picture and we will show that there is a part is hollow, okay? So they found a huge uh, space on top of the Grand Gallery. That huge space is uh, equivalent to the size of an airplane, jumbo airplane. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is above the Grand Gallery. So can and they tell anything else? Can they tell, like, if there's structures in it? Or can, can they just tell, like, the shape, the general shape of it? Or just more like that there is some kind of room? Yes, that is what they said. They didn't uh, add anything else. But from... Um, a design or a style point of view like and and i believe you realize this like when we went to the temples you always see a statue on the right side and a statue on the left side mm -hmm. obelisk on the right side obelisk on the left side pillars on the right pillars on the left right remember that very so, symmetrical exactly they, they they have what we call it mirroring style so if you look carefully to the plan of the great pyramid you will find that all what we see from the entrance and the three rooms are located in one half of the pyramid. They don't cross to the other half. All of them located exactly in one half. 
So if we follow the same system, that it must be a reflection for these uh, designs in the other side of the pyramid. So we must have a tunnel, grand gallery. We must have a room, so-called the queens, and for the king, and one underneath. So we must have the uh, the, the other or or the, the twin design of the uh, of the first half existed in the second half. So, so I think what what they found is something proving what we are talking about. Okay, so that that's huge and awesome. And and, and I can add to this: if you go to the southern part of the pyramid of the Great Pyramid, you will find the big hole on matches the same location of the original entrance. Okay, so who who made that hole was aware was what I'm saying. He knew that it must be similar design in that side so he was digging a hole in the same exact spot of the uh, original entrance from the north mm -hmm. but it seemed that he spent a long time just to cut two or three uh, blocks he lost hope and he left the project so what about um how much excavation has happened under the great pyramid Repeat the question. Like, how much excavation or exploration have they done, like, uh, and like around the bedrock or underneath? Like, is there any tunnel systems or anything underneath the the Great Pyramid or underneath, the, like, in the in the Giza Plateau? Uh, they done zero. There is no uh, uh, any work or excavations or digging or anything uh, under the pyramid or even nearby the pyramid or in Giza Plateau in general because they believe they know everything. And what they know that there is nothing there. So that's why they are confident they, they will not dig or do anything. Hmm. Although that there are hundreds of tunnels, hundreds of shafts, uh, there are a kind of um, a huge underground system in Giza Plateau. I'm not talking about the pyramid itself, I'm talking in general about in Giza Plateau, like the Osirin, uh, shaft in, in Giza, it is 65 meters uh, below the bedrock, and it it's consists of uh, three uh, shafts and the two rooms in the middle. So we have, and, and that is not the only case, right? Maybe this is a huge case, but we have hundreds of uh, similar examples in Giza Plateau. So when we talk about underground uh, system, we are not joking, we are not imagining that that is a fact. Well, okay. even in Saqqara, right? Like on the uh, the step pyramid, there's a huge underground. Exactly. Look, Saqqara will be double or triple uh, in this case. Saqqara has, uh, if the pyramid have tens or hundreds of examples, Saqqara will have thousands of tunnels underneath. And the Serapium is one of these tunnels, by the way. The Serapium, which is totally under the ground for almost 1,000 kilometers, 1,000 meters, one kilometer. So who can dig the Serapium can dig uh, a huge or a long, longer tunnel than the Serapium because it will be the same technology, the same way, so they can continue. So Saqqara is full of uh, underground tunnels. Uh, and yes, under the grid, the, the step pyramid itself, uh, there is a huge network of tunnels and it goes deep till 50 meters under the ground. How much of that have you been in? Uh, 
Many. <laughs> well, yeah, cool. Okay. okay, so um, so tell us a little bit about like uh, uh you you had like a really interesting theory about the Ark of the Covenant and about like Akhenaten and mm -hmm. uh, your version of Egyptian Moses, um, and also about you know kind of uh what like elephantine island and how like that oh. at one point held the whatever the ark of the covenant was and what you think it is because i thought that was always super fascinating the mohammed story of that i was like Ooh! yes look uh to be honest and clear this story is my own story based on my readings and based on um my um uh if I can call it evidences and my way try to connect the puzzle pieces together. Um, we all uh, can understand if we read the Bible, if we read even the uh, Quran, uh, the Islamic book, we will find uh, or we will read about the story of the Pharaoh and Moses in a very clear way. But uh, according to uh, antiquities, according to the history, written history, there is no mention at all to this story. There is no mention to the Pharaoh or no mention to Moses or the Hebrews in any level or in any place. Okay. Uh, so what happened? Like, what was the case? Like the, the, the Bible and the Quran are deceiving us? No. You, when you read some stories, if you read it from um, the, as I told you, the academic style or according to what was written 200 or 300 years ago, you will read it like a regular story. So when it says that tribe from northeast of Egypt came to Egypt and they spent a while and then left Egypt. What kind of tribe? That is a general uh, term. Now I, I need you to be specific. When you find that uh, we had a group of uh, invaders called Hexus, and those invaders, this is the problem, that word invaders. In any history book, they call them invaders. So immediately we think about um, war or many battles happened between uh, those invaders and the Egyptian army and they defeated the Egyptian army and they conquered Egypt, okay? Because the opposite happened. Uh, King Ahmus later after uh, two or 300 years, he managed to uh, uh, lead battles against them and defeated them and he forced them to leave Egypt and he followed them in their homeland, okay? But let's come to the first part. Did the Hexus invaded Egypt? If yes, where are the records of the battles? Zero records. If no, so what happened? How they invaded Egypt? Now we can compare our modern situation with the ancient situation. Egypt is considered at the center of Middle East. Yeah, maybe it is not the center, but uh, politically it is the center and the Egyptian people welcome anybody. So if there is a problem in Sudan and Palestine, the refugees will come to Egypt. Most of the Syrians came to Egypt. Iraqi people came to Egypt. Uh, something in Kuwait and Saudi. So Egypt, modern Egypt is a copy from ancient Egypt. So my belief that there was a, a big problem in Middle East 
uh, during the so-called Hexos time, maybe famine, maybe uh, some political problems. So many of the uh, Middle Eastern immigrants came to Egypt, settled in Egypt, worked in Egypt. And like any country, we have time of, of high uh, civilization and times of uh, collapse and weakness. So it, it happened that they came during the uh, time of weakness or the end of the good days and the beginning of bad days. And they started to be appointed uh, and lead some certain or important uh, offices in Egypt, like someone of them, one of them became the police uh, leader, maybe one became the army leader. Suddenly they found themselves can control the country. So this is what they did. They started to call each other uh, in, in different uh, provinces, different cities, different towns. And they said, the king is weak, the uh, government is weak, so let's control this. And they ruled Egypt uh, for, as I said, like two, 300 years until the house of Luxor, like the mayors of Luxor, uh, managed to uh, defeat them by the uh, the uh, uh, under the leadership of Ahmed. And I have here a very interesting opinion that the story of Moses happened during the Hexus or the end of the Hexus time, because the word Pharaoh, that is not the, uh, the title of the king, that was his name, okay? Hmm. Or in some other cases, I explained that the, that was his own title, okay? Like, like as I said, my, my own, logo or title is guide of Egypt okay so as his own title was Pharaoh uh, so my guessing that Moses made uh, an agreement was Ahmos that he is going to leave in, in this day and and because he is leaving with all the Hebrews okay or the Israelites and they are part of the Hexus nation by quarter maybe or one third. And that's why the king didn't want them to leave because he will be affected, uh, the, the economy, the, uh, the uh, army, and, and the, uh, the, the force of, uh, of the laborers, the, uh, the, the working hands will be affected. So he told Ahmed, I'm gonna leave in this day under one condition, uh, after you defeat the Hexus king, you will give me uh, the, uh, like you, you will secure me, you will not attack my, my homeland or attack my, uh, how do you call it, the town in Jerusalem. Agreement, okay? So that is what happened. So one of the signs uh, God told Moses to, um, no, no, not that. Uh, while they were leaving Egypt, okay, they took one of the Egyptian devices with them. That device is what we call it the Ark of the Covenant. And most of the stories uh, say that the Ark of the Covenant used to contain or still contain the tablets when Moses wrote the Ten uh, Commandments and the, uh, the, the magical uh, st uh, stick of uh, Moses, the wooden stick that one turned it to uh, snake, and maybe something else related to Moses and Harun. Okay, which I see it also some elements because the uh, what is the, the material of the tablets stones and stones from where from Sinai. 
the land of turquoise. Sinai was also considered as holy ground to the Egyptians. And when we say holy, it doesn't mean holy, it means energetic, because everything was uh, uh, twisted. So the word energy became the word holy. Okay. So the, uh, they took the device. Okay. And it seemed that something wrong happened to the device. But before this, the Persian uh, Babylonian king uh, heard about the Ark of the Covenant and he led his army to Jerusalem, attacked the Israelites and took the covenant from them. Okay. So that expedition was designed specially for this reason. And then they say, uh, or the, the stories say that the, um, the ark was returned to the Israelites in a kind of a miracle, okay? Uh, so they understood that the best way to hide the ark is its own place. And where is its own place is uh, Egypt. And if this ark is made out of granite, so it must be Aswan, rose granite from Aswan. Mm -hmm. And as I say, the, the engine or the heart of Egypt is Elephantine Island, huge island from granite. And the energy there is the, the maximum level. But I know most of the visitors, when they go there, they feel nothing. So how come the maximum level of energy, but you feel nothing? Because this island is covered totally with mud bricks. Mud is great insulation material. So if you wanna uh, hide the, the effect of energy, you add mud, especially the Egyptian mud, which contains so many minerals. So it is playing like an isolation uh, uh, layer. So that's why if you remove the mud, just one meter, you're gonna immediately feel the energy like a very strong volcano. Mm. But we don't feel it because we have, and, and those layers of mud were add uh, in all the uh, ages of history, from, from modern and then Coptic, Islamic and backwards, uh, Greek-Roman, uh, New Kingdom, Middle Kingdom and New King, Old Kingdom. Okay, so every uh, age or every era of ancient Egypt, they add a structure or two or many from mud bricks to hide the energy of the island. So the Ark of the Covenant was there and may be still there. Okay, because the, the second part of the story, according to Graham Hancock, he said that the, the Ark was taken to Ethiopia in uh, uh, I forget the name of the city in a church there, and it is being uh, watched by two blind uh, guards. I heard that that got looted, that church got looted within the last, I need to double check that and see if that's true. But one of my friends was like, did you know that that church in Ethiopia that's supposed to have the Ark of the Covenant got, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it got like robbed and looted like within the last month or something. And I was like, mm -hmm. really? Uh, I had not heard yeah. that. So I need to look into that and see if that's true, but yeah. Yeah, okay. I don't believe it. Look, if if you know about it, so it means that it's not true. Mm. There is, because this is, could be fake news to uh, mislead the, uh, the people who are looking for the Ark of the Covenant. But here is something interesting. If the Ark of the Covenant is so powerful, as I say, that is my way how to know where it is. 
So with our modern technology, we can find the Ark of the Covenant, right? But under one condition, we won't find the Ark of the Covenant. It is located in an, another powerful site. So the energy will hide each other. Ooh, maybe that, it's in the Great okay. Pyramid in the other chamber that's hidden. That, that is, will be difficult, okay? Because if it is it needs to be in an environment of rose granite. Okay, so you think it's still and on L15 Island? You, that, yes, hidden and under the ground somewhere. Okay. But what do you think that? What do you think it is? Uh, it is, um, you know, when we call that granite box, they call it sarcophagus. Mm -hmm. Okay, which I don't agree. I call it the catalyst. When you have the catalyst was uh, our uh, modern catalysts for, uh, it has like microwaves, it has some kind of heat. So you put something inside like, like an oven, okay? But it's not an oven, it's uh, a place or uh, a device to recharge the energy of the battery. Okay, yeah, so, so it, it, it has so something to do the with energy. Yes, okay. It is the recharger of the, or the charger of the batteries. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And that also that story uh, matches another story. They call it bringing the uh, the faraway. Uh, 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 the translation is not easy. Bringing the faraway angry uh, segment or tifnut. Okay. But here I prefer to use tifnut. They say that tifnut uh, was uh, angry with the council of gods. And she decided to lead them. The Council of Gods was at the pyramid uh, area. Okay, so she head north, uh, head south to Elephantine Island, and then from Elephantine Island she uh, head south, further south to Ethiopia. Okay, so Gadra felt sad why his daughter left him, so he sent Tos and uh, or Jehuti and Bes. And they brought uh, Tifnut from Ethiopia to Elephantine Island. And I, or I believe I showed the group, most of my clients, I take them to that small room in uh, Isis Temple, yeah. where we see the man with the uh, drums and the music. Okay, that was the way to bring her into uh, 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 Aswan. That story matches what? Matches what we call it the. Uh, the, uh, the the line, what is the name of the magnetic a, magnetic equator? It's supposed to be at the pyramid line, okay, and then Elephantine Island, the second line, and then Ethiopia, the third line, and keeps shifting, okay. So Elephantine Island in the middle, when it goes to uh, north to the pyramid line, so as if the the, the two balls of Earth are changing. And that leads to disasters, okay? Or end of cycles, beginning of new cycles. So and how long do you think these cycles are? Like 12,000 years, or do you think they happen ex every Exactly 12,000 years. Uh, that is, uh, no, no, uh, 24,000 years. Every okay. 24,000 years. Cal Yuga. Okay. Yes, because 12,000 years, uh, each cycle is divided to two, uh, how do you call it? Uh, two 12,000 years, okay? Right, Each yeah. cycle, 24,000 years. 
but we have 12,000 years with high consciousness, with, um, uh, uh, let's say, all the human uh, virtues and uh, good things, and, and uh, let's call it also uh, technology. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they have high technology, but they are developed mentally and spiritually. And the second 12,000 years, the opposite. They lose their uh, spirituality, they lose their wisdom, uh, consciousness, and maybe they have technology also, it doesn't matter, okay? Because you can visit someone in the countryside, he will be very educated, very civilized, but maybe they don't have a satellite, they don't have cell phones, okay? So it doesn't mean that they are uh, primitive. Yeah. And the opposite, you can find someone at the city with all the technology, but they are primitive in their brains and in, the, in their hearts. So do you okay. think we're at high, like a high right now and going to go to a low? Or no. do you think we're still at a low, going to go to a high? <laughs> okay. Uh, according to the Mayan calendar, 2012, that was the end of the... the uh, 12,000 years. Uh, the, the, the second 12,000 years. So we finished. Yes, we are rising again. Okay. Okay. We are heading up to a new cycle. Actually, we, we didn't finish the, uh, the weakness 12,000 years. No, we already finished the whole cycle of Amun, cycle of darkness. So we are in the beginning of the cycle of light called Kibir or Khibr. And the beginning of the 12,000 years of development and high consciousness. That's why you will feel, or you will see that uh, before the coronavirus, there was like problems everywhere. In Middle East, in Europe, in uh, America, so many people are uh, fighting. That is not because of violence. They, they started to uh, have high consciousness. They started to understand that there are many problems. There is something we need to fix. So let's arise. And, and COVID-19 came, uh, in my opinion, it's a way to fight the beginning of the cycle. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, so I definitely the, think it switches people on some way or the other. That is well, uh, yeah, exactly. Because no one can fight the uh, rules of nature. No one can hide or uh, stop the, uh, the, the system of nature. Nature is always uh, overcome any uh, situation or will win at the end. Okay, so one of the things that I, this is not nature, this is more like, okay, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is how many temples you took us to that actually had the hieroglyphics written on the wall that a direct translation would mean like star gate so how mm. did you interpret that and like what like I, I i don't know i just thought that was kind of cool <laughs> okay look the hieroglyphic language is one of the magical languages i love this of course the word hieroglyphic it, it doesn't mean the language itself it is ancient egyptian language and hieroglyphic it's a way to write the language so hieroglyphic it's what we call it complete picture Okay, I will give you a very clear example. Uh, my ID, okay, if you have my ID or passport in your hand now, you will easily identify me because of two things. This is my name written, Muhammad Ibrahim. 
and that is my picture, right? If for any reason, something wrong happened to the name, you still can identify me through the picture. Or the opposite, if the picture was uh, deleted or something wrong happened, so you still find my name. So that is hieroglyphic. It is the name and the picture together. Uh, the ancient Egyptian language or the hieroglyphic font is written this way. We have uh, samples, uh, let's say one word, it will be like uh, three, four, five samples. Uh, three or four of them will be the, uh, the letters, the actual letters, how we pronounce this word, okay? And the last uh, sample, maybe not just one, maybe two, the last two or the, 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 the last one is a picture confirming the meaning, okay? I will give an example. We have a word called Bish, okay? B, uh, uh, H, or B-C-H. Bish means to stretch out, to open for wings, okay? Like, uh, like a, a duck or a goose stretching out. So they made uh, the uh, letter P and the letter Ish. There is Ish in ancient Egyptian, okay? Mm -hmm like a rectangular and they made another symbol two wings opened like this so if i hide the the word the p and h i still understand because they give me the picture we have another word called her or ker okay uh, also two letters and a picture then her means falling okay someone is falling from a higher level they show someone upside down, okay? Not completely, with an angle, as if they are showing us the picture of a fallen person, okay? Uh, the picture for face, her, they write uh, H-R and the face. The, the picture of uh, uh, Sijim, here, okay? S, this, M, Sijim and an ear. So got my point? Okay, yeah, so it's, it's, it's so, telling you how it sounds and like a visual. Uh, exactly. Okay. So when you go to a, a temple and use in, in, on the side of a, of a door, okay? A door leading to a room or leading to uh, a space inside. It is not written, uh, the word that I'm gonna talk about, it's not written in a huge thick stone in a big wall. No, it is written on, the side of a door always that is the location of and the, in the middle level of the door either from the right side or the left side or both okay that word is two letters okay or two symbols star and gate how you read that based on what i explained earlier like a i don't know just uh, Stargate. I mean, I guess. I guess uh... Okay, I will make it easy for you. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> take the word that symbol, star. It's a star. Okay. Huh? It's a symbol of star, and the other symbol is gate. Right. Yeah. So let's search. Uh, this symbol star has any other meaning? No. It's just a star. 
And that symbol gate has any other meaning? Gate or door, nothing else, okay? It doesn't mean escape. It doesn't mean exit. It doesn't, you get my point? So it means yeah. gate or door. So the only way to read both star gate. And by the way, when we say star gate, that is not correct because it is written gate star. Okay, we, we explain it because it's English language, we call it Stargate, but it is gate star, which is the, the Egyptian way to say Stargate. Right. So it is even written correctly according to the grammar. Okay, even in Arabic language, we say Bawabit al Nagum. Bawaba is gate, al Nagum star. So we start with the gate. We put the uh, adjective after the noun. In, uh, in Arabic language and Egyptian language, that is the way. We don't say uh, uh, good girl. No, we say girl, good. Smart boy, no, we say boy, smart. We always put the noun first. So it is gate star. Okay. Uh, and sometimes, and, and because someone will say, no, no, Muhammad, that, that is different. Maybe that star means praise or means power. It is the, 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 the gate of power or the gate of light, maybe. Uh, the, the star can be a source of light or, or energy, okay? So in other cases, they keep the, the symbol gate and they give us the word star as a word, sab. That is the, the or duat. So they tell us, okay, you didn't understand the first example. Here is another detailed example. What does it mean star as a word? Not as a picture anymore, as a word, it is duat or sab. So they give you the word itself, not just the symbol, but the whole word. So there is no chances to uh, try to do or to read it something else. It is very clear that it is stargate. Okay. And yeah, in other cases, in it is not star gate. Yeah. Yes. And, and this is, it is not, in many other cases, not one star gate. No, it is stars gate. Gate for many stars, for a constellation, for a group of stars. So sometimes one star, sometimes many stars. Okay. Uh, also, when you read, and, and this is, you will read in my book that some other structures in Egypt, um, like twin structure, it has the title, the double gate. And, and those structures are not together like Komombu. We can, someone can say, okay, double gate means the, uh, the door on the right side and the door of the left side in Komombu because they are next to each other. No, I'm talking about two structures far away from each other, but they are connected because of the function or because of the design or because of some certain uh, relationship. So they call them the two gates. So as if they try, if you go through this one, so spiritually or physically, you will go to the second one or the opposite. If you go like what, like Itfu temple and Dandara temple. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a long uh, distance between both of them, but they are 
the two gates like gates how how do, what does it mean two gates okay so because when i say two gates i immediately think that they are connected one entry one exit or the the way around okay uh, so it, it is clear message from the ancient Egyptian priest when he wrote Stargate, he meant Stargate. And something interesting, uh, if someone will say this is just art, this is just a way to write nice words, okay, we in this case we must find that title because it was given as a title to uh, the king. Okay, and instead of the word king, they gave him the word Stargate. So as if the, the king or the abilities of the king or the permission of the king will um, uh, activate the energies of the Stargate. So how many rulers or how many sites we can see this Stargate? Not all of them, which is against the rules. If this is art or this is religion, it must be everywhere. And we have the example, like in the uh, Islamic uh, uh, system of, of structures, we have what we call it the minaret, okay? That tower for the, uh, the uh, leader of the prayer or the imam to go up uh, before they invented speakers and uh, microphones and to start calling people for prayer from a higher uh, level, okay? Now we don't use that. We have speakers, we have radios we have so but the, the because it became religious system or style so every mosque have a minaret every church have something similar okay if so if it is religion it must be repeated everywhere do we see the word stargate everywhere no not in everywhere in certain places yes there are many but not everywhere not every wall not every uh, and it would only be like one place within a temple exactly okay so this is a special uh, uh title for a special place okay yeah i was like all getting sci-fi like oh this is a portal it's a portal room <laughs> you this, know i don't and i i must tell you something uh the one who is telling you this me 10 years ago, I would be completely against this idea. Like if you tell me 10 years ago or exactly 15 years ago, Muhammad, do you believe in Stargates? I would definitely say, no, no, this is wrong. But as I told you, I, I am reading the site. I'm not reading the books. I'm not reading uh, the uh, uh, explanation or the interpretation of the uh, Egyptologist. No, I'm reading the site itself. And the site is telling me that this world is uh, starting. Yeah. So, like, what? Okay. Uh, within, like, the technologies of the of, of ancient Egypt, what do you think that they, you know, like, I don't know, what what do you think they were capable of? Because there was obviously some, some, some sort of. I mean, the seraphim that you uh, mentioned earlier, except I don't know how you pronounce it. It's different than I pronounce it. Um, that like that was some sort of tech that had some sort of functionality to it of course okay when you say technology okay yeah it is something we must believe in there was definitely technology in ancient egypt either ancient egypt we know the one we know which is five thousand years ago or earlier ancient egypt 
but my belief that it is earlier ancient Egypt because we didn't find any record or any evidence uh, says that uh, ancient Egypt we know 5,000 years ago had such technology because in their tombs they made uh, drawings and records for everything but they didn't say how they built the pyramid how they cut the obelisk how they transfer megalithic uh, blocks like uh, 50 tons 100 tons okay so they didn't mention anything like this but they mentioned how they feed ducks how they make uh, ships how they make sandals uh, how they harvest uh, wheat and corn and, and so how they fish, how they raise uh, the domestic animals, so many things, but none of them includes building pyramid or cutting the obelisk or uh, uh, transferring uh, huge blocks. Okay, so that's why I believe that the uh, the actual builders of those megalithic sites are earlier ancient Egyptians with great technology. When I say great technology. I can see easily it's a technology maybe exceeding our technology nowadays. Okay. There are so many clear examples of that. The first example, building the pyramid itself. Okay. If you search uh, and write how they built the pyramid, okay, you will find hundreds of theories and opinions. And after the end of each story, it will tell you, but we are not sure that this is the correct. Uh, way right. after, after so how come with all our technology we cannot produce something like this we cannot copy or uh, uh, build uh, a structure like the great pyramid and when i say like the great pyramid this is unfair we cannot build a small pyramid with the technique they claim it happened but with our technology we cannot build the red pyramid, we cannot build the pimped pyramid, we cannot build the great pyramid, the second pyramid at Giza Little or the third pyramid. Mm -hmm. Okay. With our technology, I will not say we cannot, we can cut the obelisk, okay, and we can transfer the obelisk from Aswan to Luxor, but we are going to spend billions of dollars. Billions, like 20 billions, 30. Okay, and there is one important thing to convince uh, a company or uh, a businessman to do this, it will be impossible for one important reason is the high possibility of losing or destroying the object. Okay, that is what most of the people don't think about when you deal with a small block. Okay. You can handle this block with any kind of technology, primitive or uh, high technology. When you deal with huge block, you need high technology because when you start use, using um, violent or using uh, like strong power without uh, nice and smooth technology, you may affect the stone and it will be broken. Okay, but imagine you are dealing with an obelisk, 24 meters, 700 tons. You must be very delicate. You must be very uh, sensitive dealing with this because one single mistake can destroy it and cause a crack. Just one uh, uh, 
single uh, 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 vibration can cause the crack of the stone. Of like the, the one the in the Ajwan quarry that they abandoned because it broke okay. while they were digging it out. Now, I have a different opinion about this. Okay, I will continue you don't think it was abandoned? after the obelisk of Hatshepsut. No. As I say, the uh, workers went for lunch and never come back. The disaster happened while they are finishing the obelisk. That's why there are so many things unfinished. Yeah. Like the box in the Serapium, the unfinished box at the Serapium, why they left it? Because they, the people who had the technology disappeared. And the, the senders later didn't have the same technology to continue the job. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. Yes. So here is my point. You can have um, good technology, okay, abilities, but the, the, the project is very risky. Okay. So you, you won't go to this risky uh, mission or job unless you are very, very, very sure that your technology can handle this. Okay. And I, I tried this myself. While I was finishing my apartment, I uh, called the, uh, the marble factory, okay? Because I had some corners made uh, uh, covered with marble. And I told them I, I need rose granite. In the beginning, they were upset because rose granite is tough material and it will affect the diamond blade. Okay, so they may use, uh, or the, the diamond blade, they are going to use will not be able to continue doing other jobs so it will be just one use and then they must replace it so i told the man uh, the size of the uh, if, let's call it tiles of the tiles the rose granite tiles is going to be what he told me 40 by 40 40 centimeters by 40 centimeters so i told him no 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 I, I i need big pieces he said okay we can make it 50 by 50. I told him, come on, I need some big pieces. So he said, uh, the max I can do one meter long by 50 centimeters. I said, no, I will be happy if you make it one meter by two meters. He said, no way. I told him, I will double your price. He said, no, because I don't guarantee. He said, I don't guarantee that transferring the, the, uh, the uh, granite pieces or tiles, it will be safe all the way because the, any bumpy road or uh, while they are maneuvering on the stairs going up, it will be easily broken because it's a long piece and the density of the stone is not going to be very strong, mm. okay? So we're talking about a piece one meter by two meters, not 24 meters weighing 700 tons, okay? Right. It's not a piece of steel, look. People must understand this. Yes, granite is very strong material, but still uh, breakable, okay? With, with wrong uh, uh, position or let's say wrong angle, it can crack, it can easily crack. So we are dealing with uh, too much heavy weight with primitive technology, no, that is not correct. And we have seen the result of using this technique Later in the uh, nine, beginning of 1900 AD, when the Europeans 
became very interested in the Egyptian history and they visited Egypt and they started to collect the Egyptian treasures and uh, monuments. And then they became interested in the obelisks. And yourself, you have seen how many destroyed obelisks at Karnak Temple. Oh, there were so many. So many. Why? Because they used that primitive technique to take the obelisk out of the temple. So most of them are cracked. So they destroyed around 20 obelisks to take three. So the three against 17. I wonder what the obelisk was so, for. What do you think it was? That is a great question. Okay. Anybody anyone will have no idea about this question. Like they don't know. Okay. But I know. Okay. But let me ask you a question first. Okay. Uh, did you visit uh, a cemetery uh, before in uh, American cemetery? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. There is there is the tombstone with the name and the date, right? Yep. Have you seen a small obelisk instead of the tombstone before in a cemetery? Uh, yeah, I have. I have seen a little, but they're small, super small. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about the size. I'm talking about the shape. Yeah. Okay. You think those are right, actually like? No, no, no. It's it's the idea. Okay. Okay. So the Coptic Egyptians also in the Coptic cemetery, you will go and you will see they have an obelisk instead of the um, the tombstone. Okay. So let's go to the ancient Egyptians. Any temple must have two obelisks in the front, uh, flanking the gate, one right, one left. And when you go inside, it will be the same, one right. So as if they are creating a gate again, okay? Uh, the word obelisk, uh, do you know what does it mean? No, what that does it The mean? Greek word means, means a needle. Okay, that could make sense. Okay. But it doesn't mean just needle, it means huge needle. And that is the same Arabic word, masalla. Masalla means big needle. So th there is a needle this size, like the acupuncture. Hmm. Okay. So the needle goes, does what? It goes through the fabric, right? And it takes the, the string behind it. So it, it takes the string through, because you cannot put the string directly to the fabric, right? Right. So you, right. you need the, the needle to do this. So if we apply the same story to the obelisk, that the obelisk is goes, crossing the fabric of the sky. Okay, I'm talking about the fabric. I'm not talking about the height. And it absorbs the negative energy from the visitors. That's why there are two. And you cross in between. Mm. And there okay. is always on all the temples before we would enter them, they would always have like you would walk on rose granite as you're walking in, right? Very good. The pedestal. Yeah. Uh, so if I can call it. It's like piezoelectricity that, or it could be like piezoelectricity that um, clears a person, like 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 basically turns them to a certain frequency before they enter a temple. Yeah, perfect. That is the point. Altering the visitors to put them in one tone recharging them with this energy and absorbing the negative energy. How I built this opinion, 
In Luxor temple, there are, there are two statues in front of the temple, okay? And according to the name, they are uh, belong to Ramses II or attributed to Ramses II. Ramses II in a seated position, sitting on his throne, right? Or let's call it chair. So we all, we all understand if we say chair, what the chair looks like, yeah. right? And the backside of the chair, we understand if it is high or low, it doesn't matter. But we understand the backside of the chair looks like what? So the one to the left side, when you are crossing or going through the gate of Luxor Temple, the one to the left side is the typical king position sitting on his throne and the typical shape of the chair. The one on the right side is the problem or is the, the unique one. And instead of the regular backside of the chair, there is an obelisk behind the king. Mm -hmm. From the hips, okay, or the spine, goes all the way to, uh, no, not the spine, uh, the uh, crown of the head. That, no, no, the, the lower one, the lower uh, uh, bone, or let's say from, the tail level, if we can, okay, yeah. that, because humans also have the, the thing, to the uh, the head, okay, behind the neck, and it is attached to his body. So this again, it's a, a way to show us and explain to us that this is healing from the king. This opalus is absorbing all the negative energy and the pain from the king all the time. Hmm. So that is the function of the obelisk okay that's why all the uh, not all but most of the european countries they were uh, running crazy uh, in the uh, beginning of 19th century and 20th century to take an obelisk from egypt if you go to paris london uh, rome vatican washington okay istanbul why they were acting crazy to take an obelisk they put it in the main square of their capital because they understood that fact. It is to absorb negative energies. I don't know if it worked quite well because they... <laughs> and, and, okay, so the Coptics adopted the same uh, style. They thought, thought maybe if this obelisk can help the livings, maybe it can help the dead people. Maybe it can absorb the negative energy from the cemetery because we must understand something. The cemetery, it's uh, some places, including the cemetery, is full of negative energy. Okay. Not because of the dead people, because of the visitors. Okay. Most of us visit the cemetery and we are sad. We are crying. We are not in, in happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. So the obelisk was made to absorb the negative energy of the cemetery, either from the visitors or from the grave itself, okay? So in my opinion, that was the reason like why the, uh, the, that style existed in our cultures either four or 500 years ago, or even earlier till nowadays. That's so many of the cemeteries still doing the obelisk style instead of the tombstone. Huh, okay, so that's a, actually I like I like that. That's a good theory about the obelisk, the negative they're negative energy absorbers. And so, like with other ancient technologies, like what do you think about like what do you think? What do you think the, the 
I don't know the purpose of the Osirin is they was you know ah okay because that to me uh, that seemed personally that seemed like the most ancient like that thing seemed very mm -hmm. similar to stuff I've seen in Peru and it didn't really match that much it was it was mm -hmm. I, I loved it it was weird but mm -hmm. okay look again the same story you read the site and you look to the elements and when you do analysis to the size of the blocks and the size of the uh, pillars, you will understand that this place is was designed to harness a very uh, dangerous or, or uh, huge energy. Like in any hospital, if you visit any hospital, you will see all the rooms, all the sections, offices, almost the same. But when you go to the, uh, the that section with the uh, X-rays or the uh, radiation uh, section, you will find that the, the walls are supported with other materials. They uh, do some kind of um, uh, insulation layers, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It is not the same like that. The same. So when you go to the Osirian temple, you talk about the temple or the shaft, the one in Abydos. Yeah, the one in Abydos not the yes the osiran temple so when you look to the size of the pillar which is more than 150 tons and the size of the blocks on the walls huge and we can say abydos it is not completely uh, far south it is in the middle of upper egypt in the middle of the south so it's about 500 kilometers north of aswan and 500 kilometers south of cairo Okay, and there are limestone, local limestone in the area. They never used limestone building the Osiris. They used uh, quartzite from Cairo, 500 kilometers north, mm -hmm. and rose granite from Aswan, which is 500 kilometers south. Okay, why they didn't use the local limestone? Because it won't help the function. So quartzite, Quartzite, and, and from the name, you we understand it contains quartz. Mm -hmm. And rose granite, it contains quartz, contains feldspar, uh, uh, feldspar and iron. Okay. Uh, so it contains uh, naturally a magnet uh, field. Okay. So this place, in my opinion, it was. Uh, if we can call it with our modern uh, words, it's a nuclear reactor or factory. Ah, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very strong place. And don't forget the water. The underground right. water is to cool down the engine. And do we know how far those shafts, like where the water sits, do we know how deep that is? Have they tested that? There are some, some shafts five meters deep and seven and eight meters, but there is one shaft, we don't know how deep it is. Mm. Way deep. But because it is covered with mud and we need lots of work and funds and machines to take out all the mud, okay, so we don't know how deep, but we understand that it is very, very deep. And then the green algae that grows there, that's mm -hmm. really unique looking. Um, have they Very done good. studies on that? No, because they <laughs> they expect that this is natural thing, which is not, that is not natural thing at all, okay? Yeah. 
if you if you have uh, if you dig uh, a, a big bit like this next to the osirin, but without the, the granite, without the uh, the quartzite, and it will have underground water, it won't be green like this. It will be just right. That's uh, some sort of property of the rock good. within. Yeah. Very good. The energy, the energy is enhancing the uh, abilities of the uh, of those fungs or those. Uh, uh, primitive cells, okay, it, enhancing their abilities, so they grow in, in massive number, and in you know, very, like very fertile uh, water and ground. How much of that is, is unexcavated? Because like, I mean, I, when I look on Google Maps and stuff, and I even remember when we went, like, when you're down there in the shaft, you go in another section, they don't let you go everywhere in it. And it also feels like, like, when you look at a, a aerial view of it, there, there could be way more like on other mm -hmm. sides that they haven't really completely dug up it doesn't look like it's i feel like it's you know like what like there one is so much still under the ground yeah yes i agree with not only there in Everest, but in sakara in giza everywhere i can tell you with great confidence that we discovered maximum 50 percent of what we're supposed to discover there are 50 percent still hidden under the ground so do you think that in our lifetime that will ever be looked at or is that more like what's the motivation for not continuing like the, the exploring like sites like this look i have uh, also a strange opinion I, of course i say that uh, the, uh, the the first responsibility on the uh, the, the responsible people that they must operate expeditions and digging mm -hmm. but but i say no because the site itself, the energy itself, it requires certain time, certain consciousness. When we reach that time, we will be able to find everything. Yeah, I think I actually kind of agree with you because I don't think that we're super enlightened right now. I mean, we might exactly. destroy more than we. That's you know, the point. Learn, yeah. So, with the certain, with with the proper consciousness, we will feel the energies and we will know how to use it properly. So but then like, uh, do you think like, like in, in the context of um, like, you know, Plato's story of Atlantis and then we had, we, we did, there is some, um, was it Heliocropus or something? I, I do think there is like an Atlantis connection with ancient Egypt. So what, what was Great your connection. opinion on that? My opinion, Plato and Solon, they were students in Egypt in own that is the, the magical, mystical city of Egypt, mm -hmm. On the city of knowledge, the city of the sun. And the priest of On told them that one day there was an ancient advanced civilization and disappeared. That is the whole story. He didn't say Atlantis or where or what. And he said ancient advanced civilization and gone a long time ago. So my opinion, he was talking about the earlier ancient Egypt. So Atlantis is ancient Egypt before cataclysm. Yeah. So what you're saying? So you're exactly. saying you were saying that Atlantis is um, ancient Egypt that we've lost. For sure, and we have the evidences, like uh, the pyramids, the the Osirian shaft, Osirian temple, the obelisks, the giant uh, monuments, the statue of Ramses II, uh, the Serapium. Like we have great evidences proving this story. 
-hmm. But they insist that Atlantis is outside Egypt and it is in the Atlantic Ocean under the water. No, it is simply ancient Egypt. All right. Well, I mean, Especially I definitely. When we talk about astronomy, okay, when we talk about astronomy and the ancient Egyptian knowledge with stars, with uh, biology, uh, uh, I don't remember if I told you the story that. For a pregnant woman, she doesn't need to go to the doctor to know she's going to have a boy or a girl. She will go, use the Egyptian way, barley seed and wheat uh, seed or grain, and she will use the morning urine over both. Okay, if barley grow up means boy, if wheat grow up means girl. How the ancient Egyptians know this? How did they know that? Unless they had decent uh, doctors and researchers and uh, uh, laboratories doing analysis and using microscopes. So they understood that the genome of barley is responding to the male genome in the uh, mother urine or the genome inside the wheat is responding to the female genome. So, so this is great knowledge. This is not something they practice uh, or what we call it uh, a coincidence. No, this is a great science. So well, that I mean, great yeah. science was from the previous civilization, the advanced Egyptian civilization. And what and you know, what do you think? Remember that place next to the step pyramid that's called the hospital with the different frequencies and the little enclaves? Yes, yes. Um what I and when I've looked it up, I can't find that it's called the hospital, but that's what you told us it was called. So what's yes. what's what's the official write-up about the function of that place? The official way this is the Hepsed uh, festival uh, courtyard or ground. The, the king will come here to be crowned as a king of Upper Egypt, and then a king of Lower Egypt, and then a king of United Egypt, and that's it. Okay. But why we have uh, uh, 28 chapels, they don't explain why. Why we hear that uh, voice or sound in each room differently in each room with mm -hmm. no explanation. Okay, why we have those so-called tables in the middle of the shrines, they don't also explain that, okay. But when I call it hospital, again, that is not my imagination. Again, and I, I must make sure that people understand this, that the Egyptians, ancient Egyptians and medieval Egyptians and modern Egyptians still um, maybe 50 years ago or close to this, used to go to the ancient sites for healing. So when I say healing, it's not my story. It's not my imagination. That was actually happening in uh, Egypt, okay? When you check all the uh, churches in Egypt, all of them were built inside the ancient Egyptian sites. So how come, like, why they built the church inside Karnak Temple or inside Luxor Temple or inside Saqqara, inside uh, Bani Hassan tombs, all of them were inside the ancient Egyptian locations because of the energy. They wanted the followers of the church. When they come to the church, they feel the energy of the site and hundreds of other examples. Okay? So definitely these places for healing. So that's why when I call it the hospital, I know why and it, it, there is uh, a great meaning and, and uh, there is uh, strong evidence
for this uh, word or title. The same story when you go to Karnak Temple and you'll find that all the visitors are moving around the scarab seven times. Do you remember that? There's yeah. a scarab on a bridge. Okay. Tour guides keep telling them this as a kind of a joke or it's a funny story, but it's not. That was true act used to happen. Okay. Seven rounds, but not because of the seven rounds, the lady will be pregnant. No, it's part of big system. And seven rounds, number seven here is being repeated in many, many cases in ancient Egypt, seven gates, uh, seven holy of holies, seven skies, seven earths, seven uh, uh, rounds, okay? So seven, number seven is important uh, in ancient Egypt. Hmm. I do remember that one. It, it was like, yeah, if you want to go get pregnant, go around that thing seven times. I was like, I don't, yes. yeah. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> But it, it is not to be pregnant, by the way. It is to be fertile. Ah. And, and, and if the lady is married, and then as if she had a problem uh, uh, with pregnancy, but visiting the temple will fix uh, this problem. And then she will go and continue the relation with her husband, and she will be pregnant. But it is not about pregnancy. Like some of the herbs, Okay, when I tell people about the uh, waxseed oil, uh, scent, uh, exactly, it says very helpful for the sexual abilities. No, it wasn't for this. It helps to improve the physical abilities, all of it. And as a side effect, it helped the sexual because when someone is, is healthy and in yeah. a good shape, yes, then his sexual abilities will be good. But it is not designed for this. No, it, so the same in, in those temples. They say, uh, do you want to be pregnant? Go to the temple. No, it is not for that. Go to the temple so you will have good, healthy body, and then you will be ready for pregnancy. So that was the case. So do and modern, modern thing, Egyptians still look at that? Like, do they still think not, of... Not in the uh, current moment anymore, but I can assure you, like before 50 years ago, the age of my grandmother and all the grandmothers, they used to go to the temple and all our ancestors, 19th, 18th, 17th, 16th century and before. Ah, yeah. wow. But nowadays we lost the, the, this meaning and the concept because of many things, because of the education, which is against, uh, I will not say against, but they teach us nothing about ancient Egypt, okay? Uh, against the media, the media is against this, uh, as Egyptian, if you go and visit any site, you would be on your own. There is no uh, a guide leading you, explaining to you. The modern Egyptians lost their passion with uh, ancient Egypt. Oh, so so it's not even a fascination amongst, you know, just people yeah, who live there. My mother lives near Saqqara Pyramid for more than um, sixty years now. Okay and she didn't visit the pyramid and she is not planning to visit the pyramid. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a shame, so that's but I mean, I guess it's yes. like that, right? When you live mm. in a place, you just take it for granted. No, but we are talking about different things. It, it is something, <laughs> it is well, not a, a, a nice square or it is not a garden or a building. It is 
deep history and then millions of tourists are visiting the place every day. You know, it's a must. Yeah, I mean, like, I, but again, I we, they, we lost the passion. Well, I don't know. You're you're a very good example of an Egyptian who's Egyptian born who loves his who loves his pyramids and his ancient art, his ancient stuff. Yes, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's really really great. Okay. So Muhammad, is there is there anything that we didn't talk about that you that you want to talk about? And I know your book's going to come out soon. So when your book comes out, like we'll totally do this again and go over that because that's like super is going to be. Is, when is it going to come out? When are you going to finish? Uh, I believe within three months maximum, because uh, I need to edit first, the, uh, because English is not my first language, and I, I know I made many mistakes. What was I saying? I was saying... Um, you asked me if there is something we didn't speak about. Yes, oh, we yeah. didn't speak <laughs> about hundreds of subjects. Okay. Well, that's true. Okay. But that is, would be a good chance to have more uh, podcasts. Okay, so we, we cannot cover everything in, in one podcast or even 10. Okay, right. so I promise you we will do this again and again. Okay, awesome. And if people want to go to Egypt, like, are you guys, are you guys open right now? Because I hear you guys are open for tours. 100%, yes. If you book your flight, you can come. We have only one uh, uh, condition or uh, one restriction is to bring a, a PCR test that you are uh, free from coronavirus three okay. days before the flight. That's it. That is all what we need. Negative test. Perfect. And then you can And so you, come. do you have some tour groups coming up? Yes, I have one in May, one in June, and one in uh, September, and one in... I have one in, in October, but it's fully booked. No available seats. And I have one in November. So if you go to my website, beautyegypttours.com, you will find uh, our tours, especially that section, Guide of Egypt Tours, because we have the regular tours, okay, with regular tour guides, which is very good. But there is a special section for Guide of Egypt Tours. It will be uh, led by me, uh, one in May, one in June. So it's still and when are you doing your 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 gut? Your, you said you that sometimes you do Egypt too, like the one where you go to yes. like Alexandria and all that. Because I I'm I mean I'm in I gotta Very do good. that. Okay, yeah, different side because I see that many people want to come back, but they don't want to repeat the same things. Yeah. Okay, so that's why I always offer alternative tour, uh, includes what we didn't see the first time, or the unusual places. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. I'm going to announce about this soon. I call it Egypt too. Okay, very cool. Very cool. And then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I also saw that they uh, just moved all the mummies over to the Cairo Museum. So it looks like that'll be open for people's tours, right? The, like the new museum, the one next yes. to the museum? No, no, this is not the one. We have uh, what we call it the uh, Civilization Museum. It is still in Cairo, okay? Mm -hmm. That museum also, it's very good. I visited that museum 2016, but it was soft owning and it was just one whole room. I think now they opened more rooms. But if you talk about the Grand Museum, no, that is a different story. So oh, the, the one on the Giza Plateau, that one's not open no. yet? No. <laughs> like what? It was supposed to be open like three years ago. Uh, exactly seven years ago. Oh, seven years ago. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Well, slowly but surely. Yes. 
they almost they their last promise that is going it is going to be open this year and i believe they are uh, they are right about this but maybe late maybe in october or november okay cool mm. well hopefully that is open i, I want as soon the day that opens i'm gonna be like on a plane mm. i want to i want to go see. <laughs> me too i want to like dying to be, because they are having a completely new display things no one has seen it before that of course be there is, will be Tutankhamun and some stuff but there are hundreds of thousands of pieces taken from the uh, underground galleries and the storage rooms so uh, it will be very very interesting and I believe we're going to find so many details and new stories about the uh, Egyptian uh, uh, lost technologies and with the Egyptian healing also hidden on these uh the details of these statues and uh, other objects artifacts yeah awesome all right muhammad this has been super fun i enjoyed having you on and i will have you on again soon yes you're welcome nikki anytime right. cool <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>